Welcome to Political Point of View on Coast Access Radio 104.7 FM. In this program, we talk with politicians of all types, of all sorts, from local government through to central government, and including aspiring candidates. Sit back and enjoy. Hello listeners, today is another day of political point of view with Graham Priest, today's guest Guru, the Mayor of Kapiti. Uh, Guru, what's new in your world? Well, I'll tell you what, um, I think um, myself and the councillors have been getting a flood of emails, not 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 huge amount, but enough. I think I would have got about uh, almost 20 um, expressing concern over the restrictions, um, COVID-related restrictions to the use of our council facilities. Um, yeah, you you know uh, that uh, council has made an operational decision. Uh, I think I must explain to the readers when I say operational decisions, it means the decision is made by council management, not the elected members that uh, requires everyone who, have, who want to access our aquatic centre, the schools, the library, uh, the service centre and the hall to carry their vaccination pass uh, when we are in this current, um, you know, the traffic light system. We are in orange, so that's what you've got to do. And so, um, rightly, I suppose a lot of people are uh, against it. Um, when I say a lot of people... Uh, given that we are now approaching almost 90% vaccinated, um, I suppose it is a minority, but they are standing on a couple of things. One is there are some people, the opposition to the uh, whole pandemic itself, saying the past, this uh, attempt to control the world, blah, blah, blah. But then there is another substructure of people concerned about personal choice, personal rights freedom of movement, which are much more serious uh, area for us to engage in. And that's where the angst is coming quite a lot. Hmm. Right. So, they have a problem, I assume. Yeah, and I can I, I can sort of understand what, what they're saying. But um, one, uh, local government is following the footsteps of central government direction. Um, that's key. Um, and it's the government that's decided in its wisdom, and personally, I think rightly so, that having as many people as um, possible vaccinated would be a great defense um, against the spread of um, this pandemic, uh, which is lethal. I note that Upper Hutt Executive have decided in their wisdom uh, not to enforce this similar thing. Yeah, um, uh, I think, yeah, I know that uh, an upper heart mayor and council has come under some criticism, uh, whereas those people who are advocating freedom of choice are, are congratulating them. But the fact is, um, the decision, again, uh, needs to be assessed in terms of um, how they assess their particular areas. In upper heart, you find that one of the bigger halls which has got the library as uh, one of the halls has got a couple of different facilities. That area, you've got to have 
um, vaccination pass. So it's not a carte blanche to say, oh, you can go anywhere you like. So they are push, um, they sort of analysis. Like you know that um, there's also a requirement in some businesses for all the workers to be vaccinated. We are currently uh, looking, consulting on that with the staff. What that requires us to do is actually have a uh, risk management assessment of each role. If that particular role is has to deal with the front phase of um, meeting the community, uh, clients and stuff like that, then that role, that person fulfilling that role has to be vaccinated. So we define the role first before the person can sit in that particular role. If that role does not require any interaction with the public and in the backroom um, office work, then the need for that role to have a vaccinated person is less. But with the number of staff that you've got working there, Guru, in fairly close proximity to one another, yes, uh, right. that, that makes a farce of that, doesn't it? Yeah, but uh, it's not an easy thing to do. There's a certain amount of assessment and risk management that you've got to do. So it is not a black and white situation. Hmm. Given previously that we just had to follow the government direction, that was easy enough. But now a certain amount of analysis and risk management assessment has got to be done locally. So that brings uh, council, council staff into the uh, cold phase of facing public criticism and backlash. Right. I don't envy you. You're going to have to wear a tent and hat, I think. Yeah, um, but I mean, the, the key, key to understanding this is, um, you know, if you, if, if it's a personal choice. I mean, it is not an abstract, it's personal choice, you know, people don't live in a complete vacuum. I mean, for instance, you have personal choice. Does that mean that you can drive on the other side of the road? You can't. You've got personal, you've got freedom of expression. That doesn't mean that you, in the middle of a crowded theater, you can simply shout out fire. You, you can't. And the personal choice, too, you've got to see whether the choice that you make, the consequences of those choices, comes back only to you, then the justification of that could be uh, tolerated. But when your personal choice impinges on the safety, health, and possibly even death of others, then that personal choice needs to be curtailed or be subservient to the collective good. So it is not an easy um, thing. It is, it is, it is hard. It's a problem, um, with, it's a problem with democracy, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I mean, you have your liberal dem Democrats who, who aspire to individual freedoms. You have social Democrats who push the um, uh, importance of social effects and the collective much more. So there's always this tension in the push-pull factor. Um, but this one particularly has, uh, you know, if you look at some of the Asian countries, they are centralized countries uh, where the uh, right of the individual is not that high as the right of the community. Um, you find that vaccination rates are very high, but if you look at countries like ours, where you have liberal democracy, and people value their individual response, uh, rights, um, and therefore it makes it much more difficult to get a collective consensus. Hmm. They don't seem to have a problem in China. Uh, what facilities are going to require a vaccine certificate 
Well, I, I, you know, the postal are for center, the why can I pull the Otaki pool, the Parapumu library, the Pakati library, the why, um, why can I library, you know, the service center, um, and the hall, uh, almost every, every, every council service needs that. Um, the only areas we haven't fully, uh, managed that is the council building itself and the, um, yeah, where our consultation staff hasn't finished yet. But once that's finished, then um, uh, in the meantime, um, the normal uh, process of life where people come in, they need to wear the mask, uh, keep the distance. Um, yeah. So, um, once the, our consultation process finishes uh, inside these facilities, I think it will take another week. Um, uh, I suspect that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I, I noticed that when Upper Hutt made the decision to not require passports, it was an executive decision, it wasn't a council decision. Yeah, so, that's right. Um, would but again, not... I mean, uh, I think some of the mayors, including myself, were not too happy about that because even though they say it's an executive decision, um, that and, and, and the chief executive there uh, said that it is every um, organisation which is a PCBU, um, has the legal responsibility to decide for itself. It's one thing to say you've got a legal duty to decide for yourself. We are also working together as a regional group of mayors and councils. Therefore, they should have actually talked to us in the direction that they're going, which will be was quite contrary to what the other councils are doing. And therefore, they should, there was a political responsibility or a collective political need for them to have uh, signaled to us the direction they were. Having said that, there are, let's say, Masterton, may, uh, Lynn Patterson made clear that one in one of the buildings, a library, I think, because it was isolated in just a single small place, they decided not to have uh, to mandate vaccinate, uh, vaccine passes for that place. So there are sort of slight nuances um, and changes according to how they are analyzing the, the, the customized situation. Well, a library is ridiculous because the way that COVID is distributed, uh, people use their fingers and hands to turn pages. Mm. So a book would remain a repository of virus for a matter of some days. Yeah. So well, us, I, ca I, think I can't see the logic in that. Yeah, but I think for Capri as well, they're taking a, a stronger line on this. Um, if you see that one, uh, like every other place, Children uh, uh, don't have the ability to be vaccinated, so they use of it as this, so they are vulnerable. Um, and then you have uh, the fact that almost 30% of our population are 65 and above. Um, and then you have people with disabilities and a range of vulner vulnerabilities. So um, I think in that sense, we need to look after them. Um, and those people who have decided for themselves they don't want to be vaccinated or don't be feel, and there are some people who are vaccinated but feel that uh, the question of whether they are vaccinated or not vaccinated when they use public service services should not be a question so um, there's a whole lot of fine green uh, positions being taken by different different people but I come back to the main point um, a vast majority of people are vaccinated um, we do have large number of people, significant number of people who are in the vulnerable sector, 
um, the um, the legal responsibility on council uh, health and safety actually falls on the chief executive. That's how targeted the responsibility is, and therefore I think the um, management um, decision that has been taken is actually a good one and can be justified. Okay. Anything new come out of your regional mayor's uh, group? Um, no. Um, <coughs> like this week, we are going to have a, a sort of a workshop, uh, online workshop, looking at the different projects that we are uh, with, uh, economic projects around the uh, region, and this is to feed into the uh, regional leadership committee to. Um, to shape the regional economic development plan. Um, so that's that's happening this week. But I, I suppose um, things are starting to um, wind down in one sense. Everybody's beginning to, uh, like I myself feel, uh, you know, after a pretty hectic year, we, we want to start landing. But just as we are starting to land, things are looking like he's taking off in a different direction. Well, I'm talking about the COVID issue and then particularly the um, Omicron new uh, variant of Delta, um, of COVID, which is starting to rear its head. And I'm keeping a sharp eye on international news, what's happening overseas. Um, we live in stressful times. But having said that, I think this country has done exceptionally well we just need to hang in there. Right. The local traffic bylaw proposals, anything interesting or different coming up in there? No, nothing. We're actually waiting for Parliament to um, to pass that uh, uh, traffic speed, um, the, the law on traffic speed, because I know um, uh, even on my street, Nautaki, uh, local Hindi uh, kindergarten school representative came to the community board and wanted the um, speed limit to be reduced from the current uh, 40 to 30 because under the new law that um, that has not been passed yet, uh, outside schools, uh, kindergartens and stuff, you can reduce the speed to 30 and below, which is, which is a good thing. Indeed. Has there been any thought of reducing the speed limit in Marai Lane and Waikanae? Um, I'm... I don't know. I haven't um, been to the uh, Waikanae Committee Board meeting to be up to speed on that one. Um, I think it, it's at 50, is it, at the moment? It's currently 50. and Yeah, which is, which mo- is, which is, which mo- is not a good speed. No, well, most people generally keep well below 50, but there's the yes, old clown that whizzes through. Mm. One of the things is the design of the road can automatically reduce the speed. Like where I live in Otaki, Wairanga Road is very wide. And, you know, very, when you have a very wide road um, and, and straight, um, people speed. They do, but... Um, and then Marai Lane is very narrow, mm-hmm. so uh, you need to... And then you've got two... How many... Um, you've got one pedestrian crossing, right? In Marai Lane? Yeah, that's by the... Um, yes, by the... Clinic. By the clinic. Yeah. Um, no, certainly I think that that should be a, a, a 30, it should be around 30, I think. Yeah, well, my observation oh, yeah. that it's it's worked very well in Raumati South 
Raumati Beach and Paraparamu Beach, mm. um, and it's it's a lot more pleasant with the with the lower speed limits through the, the little town centres. And I think it's it's time to relook at probably the speed limit in in Mariah Lane for exactly the same reason. Yeah, um, and you know when you're talking about traffic and, and speed and stuff like that, I mean um, we've been keeping an eye on our consultation on the uh, growth. Um, Growing well, growth strategy. Um, it has been interesting to see some of the submissions that are coming back. Um, certainly, landowners have realised that this is the time to put their hands up and say, "Look, I've got such a, this big block of land. You could put so many houses. Uh, we, we we would like to be part and parcel of this uh, process." So certainly, you find a whole lot of people wanting to. Uh, rezone the land uh, for housing, residential development. Um, uh, that they need to go through uh, the assessment of course whether we can have the infrastructure uh, available to support that. But uh, I found it really interesting that this has alerted people to the current value, productive value of the land that they hold. And the projected future uh, productivity of the land if they convert it to residential uses. Um, what are what are you hearing on the ground, Graham? Actually, I haven't heard a heck of a lot, but um, the thought of more houses taking up productive land gives me the horrors. Yes. But yeah. um, the objective of High density infill housing will radically change the personality of our of our district. Yeah, true. Uh, I mean, I, I suppose um, uh, that's why the original national policy statement on urban development was talking about intensification in uh, the CBD areas and transport hubs, which is a, a, a fairly good rationale for growth. So you go up um, and. The possibility of going outwards uh, should be constrained by um, one of the things is the productive land, particularly Otaki North. You, we need to um, retain that, but that you know that's got to be tested, I suppose. Um, the other issue, of course, is in the middle of us trying to manage the government requirements under the national policy. Um, on urban development, suddenly out of the blue, they dropped in the medium density housing to speed up density um, in res residential zones and without the need of resource consent. So, can you imagine places like um, Waikanae Beach, which has been uh, allocated, you know, with, uh, I think it took two years for us to consult with the community and come up with a plan on what we call um, special character, to preserve the special character of the place. Now we have this, if this thing goes through, because it's got to go to the select committee first, if this thing is legislated, um, a person uh, in Waikanae Beach could decide to put up three-story three, three -story buildings on their lot. Um, and the neighbors... Uh, have got no right to complain. 
This is quite interesting. got no right to constrain that either, mm. which qu- I think is wrong. Mm. It's quite interesting. I, I did a little exercise in the place where we used to live, and there could be actually six apartments put in in addition to the house that we used to live in. There could be six apartments on that little block. Wow. The next door neighbour could have six apartments on his block, which was the same size. Mm. The next door neighbour could actually have 12. Uh, but if the existing houses were demolished, uh, they yeah. could have something like 36. Well, I mean, isn't that, in one sense, it's good news to uh, have availability of land for new houses because there's supply of, of um, new houses is not good and therefore prices have gone up, rents have gone up and stuff like that. But you, at the same time, you don't want to throw the baby out of the bathwater. Um, there are a number of places in the district which have over the years, over the last 20 years, have been developed uh, in consultation in conjunction through the planning process um, and uh, within the district plan itself has been a precinct. And this, you know, people who buy into this place will buy into a particular lifestyle choice. Uh, certainly, uh, that right has been taken away from them if this particular legislation goes through. So it's a sort of, a, we need to balance it. You know, how do we keep the best and also increase um, housing? It's, um, it's a difficult problem. The, uh, mm. Prices. I mean, in Otaki, houses are selling for a million dollars now. Can you believe it? I mean, this is a ridiculous thing. And though that means, you know, rents are going up. Um, people who have been living there for years and years and years will be pushed out even further. It's a and difficult problem. It would be really problem. hard for Manafenua, let's say, is there areas that where the Marae is and stuff like that, but they can't afford to live there and they'll be pushed out further and further out, which I think is wrong. So um, again, it is not a black and white situation, you know, there it's, it's complex, it's... it's uh, there are different views to look at, so we need to see how we can balance it. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how the legislation is going to be shaped and changed to uh, to get a better balanced result. Uh, there's a proposed new countdown going to Carpety Road. How's the traffic there going to get managed? I think um, the capacity of that to manage, we've got enough traffic light for a start. Uh, one could almost agree with that. In fact, um, but I, having said that, in more recent times I've found that when I'm going back home and using that um, Carberry Road to turn off to the expressway, the traffic lights down there, the, the traffic is lined up chocker. So even when the light goes green, you cannot go across because you'll be stuck in the middle of the intersection. Well, I imagine it'll be a fairly substantial um, supermarket and that will have a substantial traffic flow in and out. Yeah, but I'm not sure that, I think they've, um, I'm not sure they've put their uh, resource content um, application yet because that's when the rubber hits the road, literally, where you've got to assess and see what are the effects on on noise, what are the effects on traffic, uh, parking, a whole lot of stuff. I'm sure it'll come out then. Right, because I, I really can't see any logical solution to how it can be managed with the B, the BP service station causes enormous bottlenecks with people trying to cross lanes. 
and it was a ridiculous place to have it. Um, and the Caltex one further down the street is possibly not quite as bad, but it does cause problems. Uh, and yeah. then there's the roundabout with the Kapiti Lights. Uh, and also, Kapiti Lights, that Kapiti Lights, Kapiti Lights. Secondary road, I think we would need a secondary road to take traffic off any development on the airport lane, on the uh, B3B block lane, uh, need to have a, a separate access on the southern part. Well, that's totally logical, yes. Yeah. But when is, it, when is it going to happen? Well, again, I mean, how long is a piece of string? I mean, um, no, no, Robinson promised to ride there. Yeah, and again, you know, I think his was a, I think his was a thirty-year plan, hmm. and what five five thousand jobs or something. Like that. Yes, but you know, developers come and go, don't they? They do. And each each and time that, they sell, that, that one's each, gone. Yeah, each time they sell, they sell at a huge profit. Yes. <laughs> All right, Guru, we've, we've got somebody else that's um, just right. waiting for an interview, so we'll catch up with you again. Thank you. I, I assume that it will be February before we talk to you again. Oh, in, in that case, um, Merry Christmas and have a good time to yourself, your staff, and um, all the listeners. Thank you, Guru. Appreciate the sentiments, and they returned, obviously. This has been another session of A Political Point of View with Graham Priest, today's guest, Guru Mayor of Kapiti. Thank you for listening. You have been listening to Political Point of View on Coast Access Radio 104.7 FM. In this program, we've talked with politicians of all types, of all sorts, from local government through to central government and including aspiring candidates. This program is made with assistance from New Zealand On Air for radio broadcast and through the accessmedia.nz website. Thank you, New Zealand On Air.